It is that time of the year, isn't it? It's the first of a new year. It's the, the welcome in of a new year, and we have new opportunities and new challenges before us, and it's time to do things different. It's time for a change, blah, 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 blah. Welcome to 2023, right? You ever wonder why we do the things that we do, do the resolution thing? And, you know, our culture has so embraced that. I mean, the government even puts out like a top 10 list, and it's just kind of kind of weird how we do this. I think it's just kind of a, we're all kind of looking for a reset. And again, we rush into the holidays, and the holidays are such a packed, tight arena of so many different things and combinations and family and lights and celebrations, and then bottoms out. Some of you take your trees down the day after Christmas, don't you? Or the day of Christmas. How many of you take it down the day of Christmas? Maybe you take it down Christmas Day. Oh, man, you should repent. I know some people that do that, and that's just hard for me. I just, we're we're still thinking about maybe going through Valentine's Day. I'm not sure. But there is something about the new year, kind of a reset mentality, second chance, second opportunities. And here's what the one thing I do know, and there's some psychology behind this. There's this little thing called dopamine that is released in our bodies and our brains when we, we set goals or we set agendas and we make progress towards it, right? You know, you get energized by it. And so there's a guy named Dennis Butimer. That's the best I can say it. Um, spelled B-U-T-T, but I think I'm going to say instead of the other way. And he's like a facilitator at some wellness center in Italy. And so here's what he says, and it's kind of interesting. When you set a resolution and begin to follow through on it, you trigger a very powerful neurohormone in the brain called dopamine. Dopamine helps control the brain's reward and pleasure centers and regulates emotional responses. Though dopamine levels are high as you set out to accomplish your resolution or your goals, eventually they drop off. And he said, I think, and he continues on, I think most people want a second chance to improve the quality of their lives. And and so it's like a blank slate, a, a whiteboard, if you will, an opportunity to get things right. And so when we set New Year's resolutions, when we set goals, we're utilizing a very important concept called self-efficacy, which means that by virtue of aspiring to a goal and following through on it, I kind of have a sense of control. And since we're human beings and we love control, it's one of the reasons why resolutions probably kind of drive us. Now, that's some psychology behind it, but what about spirituality? Is there any spirituality to what we do? What does God say about all this? What's the Bible say about kind of the reset or the clean slate or this kind of stuff? Well, I think it can be wrapped up and summed up in one word, and it's called grace. Grace. By grace, you have been saved, not of anything that you have done or that I have done, so that we cannot boast about it. But it is a gift of God. And when we get grace and we see that Christ has saved us from our mess, and when we get grace and see that he has given us multiple opportunities to continue to follow him and get it right or get it better as we go along to make changes, to do resets, to get mulligans, to get do-overs, whatever you want to call it, grace is extended and it too energizes us. The Bible doesn't specifically say anything, but it does say a lot about grace and second chances and the Bible's full of characters that have walked that out. Peter, David, just to name a couple. 
We started My One Word back in 2015. How many of you were here in 2015? Okay, handful of you, most of you, half of you, whatever. My One Word, and I'm not going to do a full set this year. I'm just going to tackle some things today because I want to encourage you because I feel like the Lord has given me a word for our church. I don't have my own personal word, but I do feel like the Lord has given me a word for our church this year. And the, the My One Word series was started by a guy named Mike Ashcroft. He's a pastor. And, and so when the Lord led him to, to do this, his whole goal was to steer away from the list making, the resolutions, and focus in on a word or a single phrase that God can use to cast vision into our lives and also help us develop a better character of Christ as we walk through the new year. Now, we know words are powerful, right? The Bible says there's power in our tongue, power of life and death in our tongue. God literally spoke the world into existence. He spoke light. He spoke the earth. He spoke the heavens. It's just amazing to me that he literally just spoke a word, breathed life into what we now call our earth and our world. That same God, by the way, lives in you by his Holy Spirit. Did you know that? So what that means is we have creative power within us when we speak. So I think it's important that we think about this idea of getting a word because if it's a word from the Lord and we continue to speak that word over us and our circumstances, there is creative power by the Holy Spirit working alongside of us to make change and create opportunities for new things. Got me? Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't make resolutions anymore. I quit doing it a long time ago. The percentages are staggering of people that fall off the radar immediately. January 1, man, got the list, made January 2. We've already flopped it over. It's that human nature. And again, the dopamine increases, and we charge into it. As the dopamine begins to drift off, so do we. And then in that process, what we do is, oh, shoot. I didn't go to the gym today, and then a cycle starts, and a mental cycle starts, and before you know it, we've never gone to the gym once. So the whole idea is this inner dialogue just keeps calling us to something, to a reset in this time of our lives, in this time of the year. And so I think it would be important for us to think through this really very seriously. How about a word from the Lord, a laser focus to our hearts? To just really zero in what he wants to do in our lives. So here's just a few guidelines. Again, not going to tarry long in this area because I want to give you what I feel like is the word for our church for this year. The first thing that he suggests is that you determine what kind of person you want to be. Now, how many of you already have a word? I know you do because we talked about it. I know you've got one for CR, but did you get one for you personally? Okay, so... Deb, do you just mind just stand up telling them what your word is, and you don't have to go into the whole context because I know you could talk about it quite a while. <laughs> so I'd have to choose, do you preach or I preach? So just tell us your word. My word is joy, specifically not just joy. Okay, okay. It's not just joy. Oh, I'm going to be joyful, but I have to choose joy. So again, you get the ideas. It could be a word. It could be a phrase. Like ours, is it, the church's is, is a phrase. What's the ours? Pause. Okay. All right. 
So, so you get the idea. And again, you, it doesn't have to be a person, but it can be, especially if you're new to this. How many have never heard of my one word? Okay, you all have. So, so again, it's not brand new to, to any of you. And so you've already got kind of some general ideas going on in your heart and mind. Bottom line is, it's a focus on character and not behavior. It's a focus on spiritual, not psychological. So we know that the resolutions seldom work, but we also know that when God gives us a word, it can change the trajectory of our lives. It's one of the reasons I wanted us to go back into those songs that we did last week, same God, and our, there's nothing that our God cannot do because just one word, just one touch can make a difference. Just one word, just one touch, and God can make a difference. So in choosing the kind of person we want to be, what that does is it forces us to go deeper. We don't just to create a list and say, well, I'm going to do less screen time. I'm going to save more money. I'm going to go to the gym. Again, those are all behavioral things, and that's fine. But it's the idea that I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pull back and let him search deep within my heart to pinpoint something that he wants to do in my life or change in my life or continue to work out in my life, as Deb has said, choosing joy. The problem with this is a lot of people don't want to pull back the curtain, allow the Holy Spirit in, and then tell them what to do. Because, again, we like the idea of control, right? But to literally be vulnerable, and again, as I did a while ago, and I encourage you to do is to be in a surrendered position, hands up, heart open, and say, God, speak to my heart and tell me what you want for me in this coming year. The second part that he goes to is just thinking about the qualities of that person. So, again, if you just kind of want a framework, you know, I've got some, some idea of what kind of person I want to become or some kind of person that I aspire to be, and then maybe there's a person that emulates those characteristics, and I begin to just kind of jot down some things and sketch out what does that look like. If I wanted to be like David, a man after God's heart, I would really need to look through and see what all that David did and what all David said about God and what all David gave to God in his own heart condition and all those things and create a list. And then out of that list, maybe there's something that the Lord speaks to me about. And then ultimately, you're, you're creating maybe a list of several things, but you want to zero down and narrow down to just one word. Turn with me to Luke chapter 24. I didn't give any of this to the media, so you've got to get your phone out. If you want to jump on Luke chapter 24 in the, in the New Living Testament, that's fine. If you don't, that's okay. And if you don't have one, maybe you need to scoot closer to a neighbor and say, I want to read your phone. Either way, we'll be okay because I'm going to read it for you and I'm going to encourage you in some things this morning in this story. Luke chapter 24, Jesus has just been crucified and he's been placed in a tomb. This is Luke's story about the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. So Jesus is in a tomb. It's been sealed. And the women go with spices to the tomb as part of the tradition, and they find the tomb open 
and Jesus is gone. And they're absolutely terrified. Here's what Luke says, starting in verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed these things. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. Interesting, Jesus, when he came to this earth as a baby, he was called Emmanuel, God with us. So we know that here in present day, as we live out our Christian walk with Jesus, he is always with us, right? He is Emmanuel, he's always with us. By his Holy Spirit that he left when he ascended to be with the Father, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But I do believe that there's a sense of Jesus' presence that sometimes just comes alongside of us, and then all of a sudden we feel as if somebody's really walking alongside of us. Anybody connect with that and understand that? It's like you've got somebody really walking beside you. Not only does the Holy Spirit dwell within you and he's residing within you, but you feel like you've got somebody coming alongside of you. It's exactly what these guys experienced. He asked them, Jesus did, asked them, he said, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness all over their faces. And one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all these things. They've happened here in the last few days. I love Jesus' coyness in all this story. What things? Please tell. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. They said he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing and that he and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of the men ran out to see and sure enough his body was gone just as the women had said. Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures? Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, by the time, this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going on. But... And you might underline this. You might focus on this. They begged him to stay. Stay tonight since it's getting so late. So he went home with them. They sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. He broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened. They recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. And they said to each other, you might underline this. Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with him who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared 
to Peter. And this is when Jesus appears to the other disciples and he ascended to heaven. That closes out chapter 24. So my word for our church, I believe, is encounter. These men had an encounter with Jesus. And it changed their lives. These men had an encounter with Jesus. And it changed their lives. If you want to add a piece to it, it could be fresh encounter. That was, I was wrestling kind of back and forth between encounter, fresh encounter. It really doesn't matter. It's really relatively the same idea is that you are having a new or a different meeting and connection unexpectedly maybe with someone. You can have casual encounters. And then you can have unexpected encounters. But each encounter is usually new and different. I see, these men had been in Jerusalem for Passover. There's a hustle and bustle going on, and they know all about Jesus. They, they, they know all about Jesus. And, and they're in the vicinity of Jesus, and they're hearing, and they're, they're watching, and they're experiencing this, this congregational experience, if you will, of Jesus in their midst. They'd already seen Jesus. They'd already kind of experienced Jesus in the community setting. They knew all about him. In fact, their hearts had been set in one particular direction of who Jesus just might be to them. They'd been near him. They'd been around him. They had seen him in in action, but they had never had an encounter with him. Do you know how many people go to church week after week and never have an encounter with Jesus? The living God? Do you know how often we go through life and we're walking along and Jesus might be right with us and we don't have an encounter because we're too busy, too distracted, and too focused on what we think life should look like? These men had been in the midst of Jesus, but they'd never had an encounter. So when Jesus reveals himself, what did the scripture say? It said that their hearts burned within them. These are sobering questions, but I need for us to listen up and hear what I believe God is trying to talk to us about today and help us understand today for ourselves, our lives, and our church. The question came to my heart, when is the last time we have had an encounter with Jesus where our hearts burned with passion? And we couldn't contain it because the scripture says right after they had the encounter, you know what they did? They took off to Jerusalem to tell others about him. When is the last time we've had such an experience with Jesus and passion burned within us that we had to go tell someone about it? So the sobering part of this is we probably haven't had those kind of encounters in a long season. 
We've been with Jesus. We've been around Jesus. We've been talking to Jesus, singing to Jesus, having a good community effort with Jesus, but we haven't had an encounter with him that could change our lives. We haven't gotten a word from him. He spoke the scriptures. He explained the scriptures. And there was a word that came alive to them. And their eyes were opened. The bread of life was opened up. And they saw Jesus. And it changed their lives forever. Within the hour, they were headed back to Jerusalem. We know the mission of Jesus. We've read it. We've heard it. It's been preached on several times even in the last several months here. He said, I came to seek and save that which is lost. I came to seek and save that which is lost. Luke 19. That was his mission, still is his mission. Hasn't changed. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew, as should we, that heaven and hell are very real. And real people end up in one or the other. Jesus said, even in the scriptures, that his heart and the heart of the Father is that we would not lose one, that none should perish. Don't want to lose one, not even one. And if we should even come close to thinking that, well, maybe that's not quite true. Jesus hanging on the cross in between two criminals as blood is pouring out of his body and air is going out of his body, literally his last breath, and he's saving one. One. Who said... Please remember me. You know, last year we launched into the campaign, Who's Your One? Some, some similar pieces to that, right? One, one. Who's your one? My one word. Similar, right? And the idea is that we all know tons of people who don't know Jesus. Or we should know, because there's a lot of them. If we don't know them, it's because we're too much in our Christian circles, our bubbles. The idea is that sometimes it's hard to think about 5, 10, 15 people, and some of us have a whole stock of family that we know don't know Jesus, So, but to focus on one. And man, I know we've been praying for some of those ones and we've seen God move in some of those ones and hearts being softened in some of those ones. But what we haven't seen yet, and this is not a criticism and this is not even criticizing God like somehow he's not paying attention because I know he's hearing every prayer and I know that prayers are being shot up and they're being heard by Almighty God and I know that he does not want not one to perish. I know that. Scripture tells me that. I can bank on it. 
What I know is people have opened their hearts more. There's been some conversations and hearts have been softened. But in this coming year, what I am believing and thinking that as we focus in on an encounter with Jesus, a life-changing encounter with Jesus, a life-changing burning in our hearts encounter with Jesus, because I don't know about you, but I need it. Do you need it? Hopefully all of you would admit to that, whether you said so or not. But we all need an encounter with Jesus that will change us forever and burn with passion like it once burned when we were a child and received him into our hearts. How many of you remember when you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Okay, I was a little boy. I was a kid. It was at a, at a church out on Creasy Lane Right now, opposite of Culver's, that church is still there. It was called Creasy Lane Baptist Church. And I'm sitting there in probably the second row because we always sat up in the front and I'm sitting there and the message is just the words, the, the words and just burning in me and people were going forward and I knew that I had to do it. It was burning. I'd had an encounter with Jesus as a small boy. I've had many since. Not that I got resaved, but I had more encounters with the living God who changed my heart and moved me along his path of grace. As we think about this, as we are looking down the pike of 2023, I want you to think about this, and I want you to really hone in on this, and I want you to own this, because there could be one of us in this room that gets the word for their life that could change the trajectory of the one they're praying for. There could be someone in this room that gets a word that could help supplement what's going on in the body and we could grow together in this and we could move forward in this. Listen, we don't need another church service. We need an encounter. I don't think some of you agree with me on that. I'm not talking about not holding church. But what I'm talking about is that we become like the people of Jerusalem where Jesus is all around them doing all kinds of things and ultimately be the ones that reject Him. Because we're too busy. We don't have enough time. But you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand what's going on in my life. Listen, I don't fully understand what's going on in your life, but He does. And what I know is he still wants to have an encounter with you. Regardless of what's going on in your life. How did this encounter happen with these men? How did it happen? Is there some kind of a magical formula that we can write down? Kind of like the New, you know, New Year's resolution list. Let's create a list. One, two, and three. Boom, there it goes. If you want a formula, here it is. They begged him to stay, and they provided a place, and they invited him in. Does that make sense to you? They were desperate. They were desperate as they are hearing things that are tickling their ears, and it's like, Whoa, this, this is awesome. I like this. And they invited him in and he broke bread and their eyes were opened and life changed forever. Listen, we're never going to have an encounter with God unless we create the space, take the time, shut the door, and invite him in. I, I'm just here to tell you. 
Because beginning at 11.29, when I dismiss, hopefully at 29, we're all going to be in a mode that says, I've got to do. And I get it. We all have it. We have a leadership meeting after church today. I get it. I get it. I get it. We all have stuff, right? We go to work tomorrow. We all have stuff. We've got kids. Some of us do. Some of us don't. We have grandkids, though. Some of us have stuff, right? we got lots of stuff. But are we going to be willing to carve out, intentionally carve out, and make sure that somehow, some way, I have an encounter with Jesus because I need that encounter and I need for him to speak to my heart? What's the lady, uh, DeMoss, uh, what's her name? She's on the radio. Yeah, that lady. I was listening the other day. She was talking about her dad, how she got a model from her dad. And I remember thinking as I heard that, wow, boy, that puts me to shame. Her dad, every day, when he had an encounter with Jesus one day, he, for the rest of his life, did not do anything, didn't eat breakfast, didn't do anything until he had another encounter with him through the word, through prayer, whatever. And she said, for the next 25 years, he never missed a day. Boy, that, that almost sounds like Superman, right? Like the Marvel series. Woo! Where's the superpower and all that? I mean, I, It's obviously empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it's obviously empowered by an intentionality and a guided focus that I will not do anything else. And again, I get it. I wake up, and the first thing I'm trying to figure out is how do I get this cranky old body, which hurts really bad, moving well enough so I can go and do something the rest of the day. Of course, coffee starts the day. We don't start the day unless we have coffee. And we don't talk until the coffee's been drank for at least 30 minutes. So I know about control and having an agenda and having a plan. I get all that. But I'm not even talking about it. It's got to be at a certain time. I'm just talking about that throughout the day I'm going to do something. I'm going to create some space. Throughout the week I'm going to stop, create some space where I can have an encounter with the living God who can speak to me and give me a word from heaven that might change my life which in then could in turn change the trajectory of those that we are praying for on that board out there. Just one touch, huh? Just one touch, huh? Just one word, huh? My eyes were opened to see. Now as I'm going to close out, I believe, I believe this. I believe this with all my heart. Pretty, pretty, pretty sure, at least 95, 98, 99% of us are what we would just call committed followers of Jesus. If not all of us, I don't know. I don't know all your hearts. Maybe 100%. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I will say this, if you're not a follower of Jesus, we're going to pray that you have an encounter with him that changes you forever. 
But I believe every one of us, church, I can't do this for you. Do you hear me? I can't do this for you. I can't keep preaching on my one word for the next six months and help you get a word. I can't do this for you. All I can do is set the table. All I can do is create the atmosphere. All I can do is offer the challenge. If you don't take it, you lose. I'm just telling you, you lose. Now, that's not to shame anybody that that tried last year and didn't get a word. Listen, I get it. I get it. I get it. I didn't get a word for me last year either. But the Lord has just impressed me that this is a really important thing for us to do this year and to launch into, especially because of the word he gave me for our church. An encounter with the living God is what we desperately need in this day and time that we live. I tend to get the little ones upset when I do that. Sorry. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? I am saying that each one of us, and some of you are going to sit there and blow me off and say, well, you know, you know I got the, no, I don't know about that. I'm not sure. Nya, nya, nya. You know what you're saying is you won't do it. That's what I'm saying. You're losing. I'm not. But I hate it for the body because if you don't and everyone else does, you know, the body's the body, right? If the little pinky's hurting, the little pinky hurts, the body hurts, right? How many of you ever smashed your pinky? It really affects the whole body. Right? Don't go off thinking that you're just toe jam. You're still part of the body. We need toe jam. I guess. We have it. I'm not sure why. Listen, we need to not make excuses. We need to pray for the grace of God, the grace of God that can energize us, the grace of God to keep moving forward. You remember in 2020 what happened? What was it? What was it? Say it out loud. And it impacted the whole world, right? Impacted everything in the church, all that kind of stuff. We go back and do all kinds of debates about this and that. And it doesn't matter. It impacted us. What happened when finally the doors seemed to be cracking open and we felt like we could get back in community? What happened? There was a hunger and a desperation for some of us to reconnect. We have things to do in 2023, and your word may be the very key that opens the door. You know what I'm saying? Don't do this lightly. Don't don't do this lightly. Don't don't, don't think it's not going to matter. We are part of a body, and everything you do does matter. Everything that you don't do does matter. The only thing I'm going to do with this over the next couple weeks and months is I'm going to check with each one of you to find out what's your word and what is the Lord saying to you about your word. There's the accountability. Big daddy pastor's coming after you. I really am encouraging you take this seriously. It could absolutely open the door for an encounter for you that could change your life. Stand up.
Let's pray together. You reign in all the earth. You reign in all the heavens. You're holy. We praise you today. We worship you today. We thank you for your living word. We thank you that many of us in this room, God, that you have opened our eyes many times before. You know, sometimes, God, we get so busy and we get so clogged up and we get so fogged up and we get so many things going on. And sometimes we just have to have that special encounter where you open our eyes and we go, wow, you've been there all along. Wow, you were doing that and I didn't recognize it. Once again, you're the way maker, the miracle worker. And you're working sometimes we don't see it, and you're working sometimes even when we don't feel it. We trust that because of your faithfulness and because of who you are, not because of us. Lord, I pray over this body. I pray over every person in this church family, even those who are watching online, that you would stir within them and that you would burn within them like a fire that will not be quenched and put out. That there would be a stirred up renewal of passion. Holy Spirit, that you would burn down from heaven over us and in us and among us and consume us with the presence of Almighty God. That we might be changed forever. That we might have an encounter and multiple encounters with the living God that can move us forward in the trajectory of your mission and purpose for this church in 2023. God, we love you and we thank you and we praise you and we give you all the glory for everything that's going to happen in the coming days and in this coming year. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, you are dismissed.